Well, welcome to Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And uh, we're just getting into the the final uh, portion of the first part of our book, uh, Faith Has it Re- has Its Reasons, an uh, interrogative approach to defending Christianity by Kenneth Boa and Robert Bowman. And so um, uh, we, we were talking about how this this first uh, portion of the book can almost be its entire book because it just mm-hmm. does such a good job of kind of giving you the reasons for apologetics, the biblical reasons for apologetics. And uh, we covered last time the historical kind of uh, uh, reason that people had for uh, doing apologetics throughout church history. So um, it's not been until uh, really, really recent in the scope of human history uh, that um, that we've kind of codified it and uh, and slapped a, a philosophy on top of it and and uh, classified it a bit more than than probably our, our ancestors did. But um, here uh, we're going to look at uh, chapter three issues and methods in apologetics. And so uh, this is kind of going to lay out the foil for what the uh, the authors will do for each um big uh, overview of the um, uh, four classifications of apologetics that they've identified. And so uh, the next chapter kind of uh, um, hits on kind of an overview of, of apologetics that uh, focuses on on reason alone. And so uh, we'll uh, get into it from there. Yeah. And, and so the people should, this is a massive book. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like what, inch and a half thick or whatever. <laughs> But I don't think people should be uh, intimidated because a lot of it, he kind of, he, he puts a pattern together where he does the same thing over and over again. Now, he does it with different materials. But once you get the pattern down, you know, each one of the four uh, major methods that he's bringing out here, he follows the same pattern. I think there's like three chapters for each method or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, even though it's a massive book, the pattern is real easy to follow, and uh, and he writes really well. Or these guys actually, it's uh, Kenneth Aboa and Robert Bowman. They write really well, and it's clear. And so I think this was, uh, you know, folks will be able to follow this one really, really well. Yeah, yeah. The problem with reference books is that I always want to read it like a normal book. So uh, you know, g- getting through the dictionary is really hard when uh, when when you have that type of mentality. But uh, but here, you know, you, you can use it as a good uh, reference resource. Uh, there's a lot of uh, big names, uh, people here, and even some lesser names that you might not know. And so um, this is always good to um, to kind of take notes of what's in your books and and say. Uh, you know, when we did Scott Christensen's What About Evil, uh, I, I think he's got a, a really great chapter in there on the incarnation that um, that when I've uh, organized my books um, kind of uh, uh, on library things that uh, that I uh, made sure to tag it as a, a book that has a, a good chapter on incarnation. So um, th- this uh, this book has that that same type of thing. So if, if you're wanting to reference it in in um, in different ways, uh, it does that. And so uh, not only will we cover people, but we'll also cover kind of uh, the, the big questions that uh, that each method has to answer. And so um, that's where the the authors um, kind of are directing us uh, here uh, for the issues and methods and apologetics. He says, uh, the preceding survey of the history of apologetics illustrates the wide variety of approaches that have been developed to defend the Christian faith since its first century. So we've seen things like uh, people responding to um, uh, uh, charges against the early Christian church with um, uh, uh, people like uh, Justin Martyr, uh, who, um, uh, you know, 
didn't always have the the kind of the best um, uh, 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 approach to things, but uh, still was um, answering against uh, d- different uh, different charges of of early Christianity. Uh, then we just had uh, uh, people like Augustine who um, kind of took the the um, Platonic approach and and kind of looked at it from there. Uh, but also, um, as as we kind of traveled down in history, things got more systematized and and uh, more expanded out, and it was less about kind of uh, arguing against uh, charges against you, but also then uh, creating positive approaches as well. Christian apologists have faced different challenges from different quarters and at different times, and they have sought to defend their faith in a variety of ways. So coming to terms with these issues and approaches is the purpose of this book. And so again, what Tony has said is uh, they, they lay it out in this very well-structured format that uh, that we really liked when we uh, first read it through. And, and um, it's, uh, I've, I've talked to other uh, YouTube apologists and, and, and others, and they, they've also highly recommended this book as well as, as being a, a, a great overview for, for apologetics. So um, yeah. hopefully we've sold you on, on the book enough for it. <laughs> So uh, he begins a kind of an introduction to this uh, third chapter here by talking about the four types of apologetic systems that he's going to uh, be covering throughout the whole of this book. He says, until the 20th century, only a few writers grappled seriously with the issues of apologetic method, right? Because of the importance of epistemology, which in philosophy is the study of the nature of knowledge and justification, that's what justification of our truth claims and beliefs. Uh, because of the importance of epistemology for modern doubts and denials of the Christian revelation, the most fundamental assumptions, he tells us, that distinguish the apologetic systems that have developed in modern Christian thought are epistemological. So they have to do with knowledge, right? right? The nature of knowledge, how it's gained, and how do we justify our truth claims, those types of so that that's the basis of the distinguishing between these four uh, particular systems that he's gonna they're gonna work our work us through. And so uh, they kind of uh, apply uh, um, uh, Edwin uh, Edwin uh, Burt's uh, topology of religious philosophy to apologetics in particular. He says that we may distinguish four kind of basic approaches to apologetics. Uh, and so we we can kind of get in the nitty gritty and say, well, the, this one has more relation to this one, or uh, you know, th- this one should be expanded, or we should bring in a, 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 another one. Uh, I always refer back to uh, counterpoints of, of five views of apologetics, which of course has five different views. Uh, and uh, in there, uh, one of them is the cumulative case. So. Uh, uh, I, I think I don't know if the book has, has uh, termed it as such, but it's kind of uh, the leaky buckets. Uh, but if you put enough uh, uh, buckets with the holes in it, but you're turning the buckets, uh, hopefully uh, at some point you're not losing as much water. And so uh, they uh, kind of view um, this as a, as a third category. But here uh, we're classifying it just in four different categories, and that's the classical apologetics, the evidentialism or the empirical uh, version of apologetics, which uh, we'll get to it, but is different than just evidence. So evidentialism is way different than uh, evidence. Then there's uh, reformed apologetics and then fetism. Each of these right, four so approaches. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was just going to say that technically they do do five approaches because their last yep. major chapter in the uh, you know, integrative approach is what he calls the, what they call the integrative approach, where they use uh, you know various uh, of these put together. So technically, right. they they will get to a fifth approach, and that's the one that they recommend actually. So right, exactly. Getting a pitch for that for that approach at the end. yeah, yep. <laughs> Uh, so each of these four approaches in apologetics, though its precursors in earlier periods of church history, emerged as distinct approaches to apologetics grounded in the explicit epistemology in the late 19th and 20th centuries. That's uh, kind of uh, what we view as more the the, the uh, kind of official heyday of apologetics. It's it's where uh, philosophy came into uh, the, the 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 mix kind of more formally. Um, you had it uh, studied in in the the big schools, and those big schools have uh, have taken it over and done different things with it. Uh, but uh, the late nineteenth, earliest twentieth century, uh, and then you have to sk- skip a few years uh, because of a certain number of world wars. Uh, but uh, um, they talk about how um, they're going to briefly describe kind of the overview for each of these four, and then uh, they then we'll expand it in later chapters. So the the first one they jump into is, and the first on the list here that you gave us, is uh, classical, what they call classical apologetics. And he says that they're using uh, this term in this book, it refers to an apologetic approach that emphasizes the use of a logical criteria. Uh, For example, the law of non-contradiction, of self-consistency, comprehensiveness, coherence, and that sort of thing in determining the validity of competing religious philosophies. So they're going to use this uh, rationalistic, logical approach with regard to argumentation and proofs is really what they're going to uh, be dealing with in classical apologetics. Uh, They tell us that these criteria, the law of non-contradiction and so forth, are used to refute the truth claims of non-Christian worldviews and to establish the existence of God through theistic proofs. So, you know, first, this is kind of a, a two-step approach, as we will see here. They will uh, prove that God exists or give theistic proofs for God exists, and then they will show that Christianity uh, has the God that we should be worshiping. So they tell us that this approach uh, in its modern form is, is, is characterized by that kind of two-step method in apologetics. Make a case for theism, worldview that affirms the existence of one uh, creator God, and then secondly, presents evidence that this God has revealed himself in Christ and in the Bible. So that's the kind of two-step approach that, and that's why they call this classical apologetics. The classicalists are going to claim that this is, you know, uh, the historical method that they have picked up throughout throughout uh, church history. Right? Right. So first, prove that God exists. And then show that, um, you know, God revealed himself in Christ and the Bible. That's, the, that's kind of the classical method, the classical two-step approach. And like classical music, just because it was there first doesn't mean it's the end-all, be-all of music. <laughs> <Exactly>. so. <laughs> <laughs> well, the most uh, famous Christian thinker commonly regarded as paving the way for this approach in the early, uh, uh, was in the 13th century, and that's uh, Thomas Aquinas. 
in modern day evangelical apologetics is perhaps best represented by Norman Geisler, who is, uh, was a very big fan of, of Aquinas and uh, uh, we'll not get into the negatives yet, but uh, there are negatives to that, but there are also positives to it, especially uh, coming from a, uh, a big thinker like Aquinas who, uh, you know, love him or hate him. You, you can't, uh, you can't, uh, um, you know, uh, scoff at, at his, his voluminous uh, work, uh, that, yeah, that he's and his done. impact and his impact right. in, in, yeah. in both the theology reasons, and apologetics. Yeah, the yeah. Five, five reasons are, are a staple of philosophy 101 classes. Uh, they're still talked about in metaphysics classes. So, uh, the, 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 the summa that he, he wrote and he wrote many summas, uh, is, is, uh, well felt. In fact, uh, I was asked to uh, be a part of uh, Revive Thoughts uh, Studios as a, a co-host where we talked about uh, Thomas Aquinas, so I'll link that in the description below as well. But we discussed this uh, uh, approach in the uh, part two, classical apologetics, it stands to reason and that reason uh, being first. So uh, that that uh, that first approach uh, is probably more uh, settled on uh, reason and logic. Uh, that's where your philosophical terms come out, contingency, necessary being, uh, the Kalam argument uh, tends to stem from there. And then the second approach is more of a historical approach, but still logic and reason uh, um, come out in there, especially um, when, when you're um, talking about um, maybe a, a mere Christianity uh, a type approach uh, from C.S. Lewis, who applies um, uh, a, a logic approach, uh, a reason approach to um, the historical claims of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the uh, the so that's uh, that's classical apologetics, and it's it's based on uh, on reason, and so they call this classical apologetics. It stands to reason, right? That's that's kind of the tag word that they give right. for classical <laughs> apologetics. Uh, secondly, there's evidentialism, and this seeks to ground the Christian faith primarily on empirical and historical verifiable facts. Uh, evidentialists often draw a parallel between the scientific method of testing theories and theological verification. So just like the scientists might test their theories to try to verify their claims about what they found, uh, you do that kind of thing in theological verification. Uh, they argue that a, a high degree of probability, that is the evidentialist, uh, argue that a high degree of probability can be established in favor of Christianity and that this is the same kind of credibility uh, that's associated with confirmed scientific laws. So uh, that's what they call evidentialists with regard to this. Right, right. So here's gonna be your kind of minimal effects approach. Uh, you know, what can we prove about the resurrection? Um, uh, really uh, making the case that, uh, that if we can show that the resurrection is uh, highly more likely than it is not likely that it counts as a miracle. Well, where does miracles come from? Miracles come from God. And, uh, you know, if, uh, if, if you're going to say, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth about these things and I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, rest my laurels all on uh, me rising from the dead. Well, if you happen to complete that mission, it should perk up and we should, uh, um, give credence, uh, to the messages, uh, coming out of that person as well. Well, here, uh, for evidentialism, rather than the two-step method of first defending theism and then defending Christianity as in the classical approach, evidentialists considered the evidence for creation, for the inspiration of the Bible, for the divine identity of Christ, especially based on his resurrection from the dead. 
as part of an overall case for the reality of the Christian God. So here you can take um, uh, um, uh, creationism, uh, uh, either uh, uh, d- directed uh, evolution or or just a uh, uh, good old um, young earth creationism or just creationism in general, um, or you can um, really focus on um, uh, kind of uh, showing the Bible to be accurate and true in all things. So then when it comes to things like, uh, um, you know, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, then that's the the, the kind of hill that you have to get over uh, after um, you show the inspiration of the Bible. And then, of course, uh, the resurrection and the identity of Christ being here, there as well. But Joseph Butler is commonly regarded as the pioneer of this uh, apologetic type. And in recent decades, it's been especially associated with Lutheran scholar John Warwick Montgomery, uh, who uh, is uh, uh, big friends with um, uh, Mitch Stokes. Uh, I think uh, I think he uh, studied uh, Mitch Stokes uh, from our book, um, uh, um, How to Be an Atheist. He studied under him, um, but then um, uh, he works alongside Plantica. Plantica. So he's associated as well with Plantica, I believe. So we discussed this approach in part three, evidentialist apologetics, just the facts. That's all we need, just the facts. So <laughs> Columbo, right. Columbo and uh, uh, Dragnet <laughs> meeting together here. That's right. So classical apologetics, uh, evidentialist, which is stand to reason, evidentialist apologetics, which is just the facts, and now thirdly, reformed apologetics. <clears throat> And the Reformed Apologetics argues that we ought to ground reason and fact on the truth of the Christian faith, rather than trying to prove or defend the faith on the basis of reason or fact, right? So it's not just, uh, you know, proofs, uh, logical proofs that get us, uh, you know, through to the atheist, nor is it just establishing these various facts, but the uh, Reformed Apologetics says, no, we ground reason and fact on the truth of, of the Christian faith. And uh, and we'll see here as we go, we don't they don't get into it specifically here that this is kind of where uh, presuppositional apologetics uh, is a part of. Right. Uh, they argue here that empirical and rational approaches to religious truth are doomed to failure. Why? Well, because of the moral impairment, though not the technical efficiency, but the moral impairment of the human mind fallen in sin. Worse, um, uh, the uh, Reformed apologetics assume the self-sufficiency of human beings to employ reason and interpret the facts independent of divine revelation, and they assume that uh, uh, people are bent because of their sinful nature. And so therefore, apologetic systems based on such epistemologies are both inadequate and inappropriate to defend the faith, right? If you're just depending on proofs or facts, well, you know, proofs uh, are, you know, maybe um, uh, logically valid, but again, we're coming up against, uh, you know, human mind that's fallen into sin. Facts are viewed from the worldview or perspective of whoever is giving the facts, right? So, yes, you know, this is a computer in front of me, but according to my worldview, that might mean one thing. According to someone else's worldview, that might mean something else, right? And so, as a result of human fallen nature, we can't just depend on these proofs and facts, and we have to base it on, on, on the, the uh, 
the word of God, how God has, has spoken. And so uh, that's kind of the ba- basic of the apologetics. Right. And, and we deal with this in everyday life and politics and in science even. Um, and so this isn't uh, anything that's going to, uh, to be too much of a surprise, especially for listeners of the show. And we'll also not try to poison the well too much by, uh, by pointing to this one. Um, because uh, I, I think uh, uh, after especially reading John Frame's book, uh, we can see that um, it's, there are places for evidence with even in the presuppositional model. There, there, there's cases that you can make um, the, the, the almost two-step method of presuppositional apologetics could be uh, first talk about presuppositions and then you can get into things like the Kalam or the resurrection or uh, the history of the Bible or the divine inspiration. Uh, so we're always going to tie it back to uh, worldview and, and, and make sure that we're um, being consistent and that uh, any critiques are done both uh, internal and then uh, from, from there we can do a uh, external critique as well, depending on the type of worldview uh, one person has. So um, uh, th- again, uh, evidence has a place for each of these. It's just uh, we're in the priority. Uh, d- does that, does that happen? And so, uh, with reformed apologetics, it tends to be um, the, 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 the step after uh, we talk about, well, how are you coming at, at these uh, alleged brute facts? Well, most reform apologists uh, seek to show that while non-Christian belief systems cannot account for the validity of uh, reason, fact, and truth, Christian theism can. So uh, um, uh, uh, Jason Lyle, Dr. Jason Lyle, been on the show before uh he wrote a book uh ultimate proof of creation and uh boiled down his book to saying if the biblical christian god uh, uh for 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 us to know anything that the biblical christian god has to uh exist and be true and so uh, that's the what's being put forth here is that um unbelievers can interact with things like reasons facts and truth but can they account for those things? Do they have an accounting of uh, a justification for those things? And so the uh, reformed apologists will say that Christian theism is the one that can give you the the validation for reason, facts, and truth. Right. In other words, the uh, the other approaches the, the reformed apologists would suggest uh, gives away too much to the unbeliever. Right. You have to. You know, where does reason come from? How do you justify reason? Uh, you know, what about morality? How do you justify that? Right? And so they, you know, you you give away too much. You assume too much uh, to the unbeliever, and, but you need to challenge their basic presuppositions or assumptions. Right. Uh, and so that's where kind of this idea is. Right. It it's, it's it would style. be similar to saying that uh, uh, the 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 start of World War II for the United States was Pearl Harbor. On December 7, 1941, and you can say, sure, but did that happen in a vacuum? Did all of a sudden just Japan uh, uh, form, formed an idea uh, against the United States to just uh, attack Pearl Harbor for, for unknown reasons and, or, or just uh, that, that was the start of it? Well, no, there are preceding things that you have to, to talk about. And so um, th- that's where you um, get into the, the weeds of, of history of of. Uh, always looking for a preceding cause. And so uh, reform apologetics uh, tries to say, okay, what are the first things that then follow uh, from there that we want to get to when we talk about reason, science, or or, uh, or ethics are, are a big one. 
Well, this approach was inspired by theology of John Calvin and its most influential modern advocates was Cornelius Van Til. Although, um, uh, as, as we talked about in uh, uh, chapter two, uh, uh, you have uh, uh, Gordon Scott Clark in, in there as well. Uh, kind of the two prongs of uh, this this uh, movement. Um, but Cornelius Van Til tends to be the one um, uh, that's advocated for the most. Uh, Bonson comes from him. John Frame comes from from that route, although again, John Frame critical of Van Til. Uh, it, it it seems uh, that uh, a lot of people tend to be critical of Van Til to the point of almost uh, people telling you what Van Til taught when uh, they seem to not really interact with exactly what he's he's taught or said before. But here uh, we discuss this approach in part four: Reformed apologetics. God said it, so uh, we have the the the. the um, the the reason then we have the evidence and now we have god said it and then and then lastly uh the fourth kind of uh perspective or approach that they want us is uh fetus. and uh fetism they say may be and has been defined in various ways the term derives from the latin fide which means faith uh and uh, it's commonly been used as a pejorative Right. term of for the position that one should just believe in God and Christ apart from any reasoning or evidence, right? That's the slam against this uh, often. But more broadly, they tell us, Fideism is, uh, maintains that uh, human knowledge of truth, including and especially religious truth, is at bottom a personal matter of the heart or the will rather than the intellect. So personal existential experience with God cannot be grounded in rational analysis or scientific and historical evidence, since it's a matter of the heart, says the fetus. So fetus often stress the paradoxical and personal encounter dimension of Christian truth. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. See you next time.